right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Dharma Diggs Podcast, a podcast in pursuit of purposeful living. As I say always, I'm extremely grateful that you've decided to take a little bit of time out of your day to stop by and tune into this podcast, so thank you once again for being here. If you are new to the show, I appreciate you as well, and if you haven't already, tap that subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, it's right below the video to the bottom right. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you are listening, uh, find a way to follow and subscribe there, and if you feel so inclined, would love for you to leave a, a little bit of a review for this as well. You probably don't understand how important and how helpful that is for folks like myself that are trying to get and reach more listeners. So thanks though for being here, and I'm excited to share Share this conversation with you today. It is with Madeline Crone, who is a staff writer at American Songwriter Magazine, which this day and age they do uh, still put out, I believe, a physical print edition. But um, they, they are just staying super busy putting out digital content, digital stories. And I've been super impressed with the work that Madeline's put out there as well. And Madeline and I came to meet through a, a, a mutual friend in the industry. And we've worked a little bit on the Bristol Rhythm and Roots reunion story together this year. So it was an honor to have her on the show. And this conversation, we talk a little bit about, of course, how she's finding purpose in her days as a staff writer at American Songwriter. And uh, really touch a little bit on kind of what led her down that journey or that path to working in that role. Interestingly enough, I was surprised to find out that she didn't even have a journalism background, but if you read her work, you would not know it. But we also talk a little bit about some of the stories that she's shared through other people's stories and how they've impacted her life, how maybe it's changed her perspective on things, and how it's opened up an opportunity for us as listeners and as readers of her work to maybe apply some of the things that we're learning through these stories into our day-to-day. So this was a really fun conversation. I was really intrigued by some of the inside conversations that she's had and where that's led her and I think you will be too so without further ado let's uh let's get right on into the conversation with Madeline Crone hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast thanks for tuning in to the Dharma Diggs podcast ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another episode of the Dharma Diggs podcast and this week I've got Madeline Crone on with me did I pronounce your last name right I should have asked you that (laughs) yes you got it (laughs) thanks thank you for having me on Absolutely. I appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day. And and I just told the guests or the um, the listeners a brief introduction to you, but why don't you maybe give us a quick overview of kind of where you are within your writing career? Because I think that's what we're going to talk a lot about today, but um, maybe what led you to where you are and kind of what you're up to these days. Sure. So I am a staff writer with American Songwriter Magazine, which is a new um, step in the process for me. I started uh, full-time with them March 1st. Uh, Before then, I was doing some freelance work uh, somewhere between political advertising, digital marketing, social media writing. I, something that I came into, you know, over the last two years, I couldn't find a boss that would send me in the right direction. And I somehow ended up in charge of myself. So besides tax season, which is now, it's been pretty awesome. Um, and it worked well in my favor. So the last five weeks or so have been full days of writing, um, turning news, doing more than I would do normally in a month in a day. So <laughs> not a lot of sleep, but it's been a wonderful experience and I'm really excited. So it's good timing for our conversation. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't have that frame of reference. You and I got connected uh, through a friend of our mutual friend and work colleague with Danielle Drawer. And um, I didn't have the frame of reference. I knew obviously that you you wrote for American Songwriter and I've done my own digging on you a little bit, but um, congrats, I should say that that is an exciting kind of step in a, a full time direction there, I suppose. Yes, thank you. I was definitely unexpected. Um, I think just given the direction with digital media, I feel really thankful for my role in that world. This year, it's kept me, um, you know, employed and paid and fed. Uh, but because of the demand with digital media, I think the step for American Songwriter, like other publications, is, you know, step away from so much of the freelance different stories and being able to keep up with what's going on in real time, you know, cover songs as they come out within the hour or, you know, announcements as they come up, especially now announcing tours coming back, thankfully, and concerts. 
and all that. So it's been a great blend of what I was doing in the past and then, you know, learning to not be such a perfectionist and just, you know, turn a presser, <laughs> presser around if it's a presser. So, right. Put it out there and, and, and kind of move on. Yes. That is something I noticed in looking through um, American Songwriters website and kind of your catalog within all of the, the articles and, and uh, media that they're putting out. And I was amazed and shocked at the amount of stuff that, you know, the articles and different pieces you've written and put out in the last really, like you said, like the last three or four weeks was just super impressive. And I didn't, again, have that frame of reference that, to the degree of writing that you're doing, which is amazing. And I'm sure um, I would venture to guess that that is, is pretty fulfilling, obviously, uh, from a standpoint of just being able to kind of fully focus on that as opposed to feeling as a, as a freelancer myself, sometimes you feel pulled in many different directions, whereas now you're still pulled in different directions, but it's for really cool and fun projects, I suppose. Yes, definitely. So I was at a bit of a crossroads um, when this came up, you know, whether I wanted to dive into writing full time and if that meant you know taking out another loan and going to school or uh you know expanding on the publications that I was contributing to and you know because it's hard to I want to put my whole heart and mind into whatever I'm doing and as a pretty distracted person it's nice for me to have several balls up in the air um but now with this opportunity which I'm so thankful for I'm able to maintain that still necessary chaos. If I have news stories and you know profiles I'm working on and interviews to prepare for, I'm able to jump back and forth, but within uh, you know, a focused realm, which is definitely, like you said, been fulfilling for me. Yeah, that's great. Well, and that kind of leads me to a question that I ask all of my guests and you can apply it however you'd like, or, or maybe kind of pull whatever resources from your either current experience or just your writing experience in general, but, you know, what within that craft and that art form do you find as like a definition or, or maybe like a sense of purpose or, you know, and how do you define that if you do at all? Sure. So this was probably an insecurity of mine to begin with, um, which is funny. So I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, and that's where I've circled back to now. I have family here and friends here feel very rooted um, in this community, but my dad, you know, he was born in 1959 and is also from the eastern part of North Carolina. So growing up in the music he shared in central North Carolina, having such a strong uh, little micro community here, I've just so much of the folk influence from this area. I've loved to learn how it's expanded to popular music um even as a kid so I sort of nerded out on all of that um I went to school in Tennessee Swanee Tennessee uh which has you know musical roots as well being close to Nashville but something that always kept me from pursuing it was I don't play I don't have a musical bone in my body you know I appreciate music because I of the way that it makes me feel but I couldn't tell you what they're doing to make you feel that way. And I still, you know, I'll learn and I'll try, but you have it or you don't. Um, my sister can pick up any instrument and play it. I'm blown away by it. But I think what I've realized is that that brings, you know, that's become a strength of mine as a storyteller. I was a psychology major. I am a extrovert probably to, you know, a fault. And just collecting stories from people from, a non-musical approach, I think is something that gives people a reason, you know, people that are bogged down by media and interviews, I think sometimes to come in with a totally different perspective and just want to hear the story, you know, what was happening in their life that got them to that point or what it felt like when they were making that or looking back, what does that sound like to them? Because I'm, I, have, I don't know what that was like for them to make the music, but I'm interested in what got them there. Um, so, Coming into the music industry, I started from an intern perspective. Um, I was a on campus. I was a volunteer for St. Jude, so a fundraising representative for campus, and they run an excellent program with that, where they teach you all about what it means to ask for money for a nonprofit, which can feel funny, you know, as a 
20 something year old um, and what it means to bring the community together around something and you know create movement within your community uh, and educating you with all the resources to do that so something I started on campus was a concert series and I called upon um, a band boy named banjo who's a Swanee band um, they were a year ahead of me so they were gracious enough to come and play for me for two years but we also went through the contract process of bringing on Chatham County Line, which is a North Carolina, Central North Carolina based band. Um, sorry, I, the story just went way long, <laughs> but I'll keep going with it. Uh, so in that process of bringing them on, I was able to connect, you know, I got to understand what it means to get a contract, a writer, find the dates, communicate with managers, booking agents, publicists, all of what it means, you know, to get someone to come play, which blew my mind. I was like, well, you know, you don't have to play an instrument to do that. And you're still part of this and can appreciate the process. Um, so that drew me in to the industry. And I worked as a booking agent uh, intern one summer. And then I got into management on, and that was sort of in a rootsy bluegrass, smaller level, which I really liked. Um, and then the next summer, it brought me in on a larger scale to a really commercial day-to-day uh, -day management company um that you know i was doing their all their errands no job too small which i still understand you know i worked in hospitality and all of that um but that it was when i got to that point after i thought i was so sure about music that i dead stopped because it wasn't it wasn't fulfilling me the way i wanted to i was like this is so cool you know i get to go drop off, you know, dry cleaning for the, <laughs> these famous people before their award shows. Um, and at the end of the summer, they offered me a job. Not that it was a livable salary anyways, but I was shocked that it wasn't what I wanted um, and really disappointed by that. So speed it up a bit, you know, I took other jobs. I lived in DC. I've worked in hospitality, public relations, like I said, social media. Um, and when the opportunity to came, came up with American Songwriter to freelance, I started to get back into, you know, what it was that brought me in in the first place. And it was just sort of the connection, the, the somewhat distant third degree connection to music as someone who appreciates it and appreciates, you know, the community around it and the people behind it. Um, so I just feel really lucky that it happened this way, but it definitely wasn't a direct path here. Yeah, it, it's it rarely is. I I, I find personally, and yes. and specifically, like speaking to your your points about the industry and and kind of being fortunate to have seen different facets of it. Because myself, as a musician, I started thinking like, yeah, I want to. Of course, like the dream is to play music and and be successful enough to pay your bills by doing that. But that shifted for me right after college too to uh, realize that through then going into graduate school to realize like there's a whole underlying area of business that most of your your average folks don't think about when it comes to to producing music shows events festivals you know how the agency side works versus the promoter side all those things so um it, it's cool to hear that you've been through kind of uh, a lot of those facets as opposed to just like only one angle but what i'm curious about there is like with American Songwriter, you didn't go to school for journalism, you went for psychology, and you had all these other roles within the industry, but how did that connection with American Songwriter from a, a writing standpoint really even come, come to fruition? It Honestly, I have, you know, I'm sure that there's reasons. I'm not a good person to ask, but some days I, I'm like, I have no idea. I applied for an internship through them um, at the end of my senior year, and I actually ended up taking another one who there was an alumni of the college I went to who very graciously offered, um, you know, it was more of like a mentor program. He would pay a stipend to the student that he selected for this internship. Uh, he, it's Jay Williams. He's a partner at uh, William Morris Endeavor in Nashville. And he has, like we said, a, a story that uh, not a straight line that got him into the industry um, and it's not something that's always taught at a liberal, liberal arts school. So he would bring students on 
ask them what they were interested in and sort of place them within his network, which was really unbelievable. So I, I took that opportunity before I even heard back from American Songwriter, but it was something that had been on my radar. So I actually just had LinkedIn notifications on. Um, I was feeling sort of lost in that moment. And I guess uh, the email that I reached out to Dallas, who's still someone that I report to, uh, an editor there, it was compelling enough that he gave me a chance. They were bringing on a team of freelancers that, um, in addition to pitching stories, we were we would take assignments, um, which is sort of a unique position within journalism for freelancers, uh, but it worked well until we arrived at this most recent point. Um, and I think writing was something that I've enjoyed. I It was a strong suit of mine in school, but I'd forgotten about it almost as a psychology major. You know, my papers were more of like a math equation than anything creative. It was very, um, you know, you knew what went where. And so something I had lost touch with. And to be honest with you, I, I, I work really hard to try to keep up and it's hard to, I admire the work of so many other people doing my job. And I think I'd probably suffer with something I recently realized had a name, um, imposter syndrome, where, you know, I'm constantly afraid. I'm like, oh gosh, they're going to find out that I, I'm not actually a good writer, but that's not, apparently not the case, you know, because I've, I've kept moving forward. But I think a little bit of that, not self-doubt, maybe it started as self-doubt, uh, has evolved into something, again, that's a strength, um, just trusting that I'm where I'm supposed to be and I'm there for a reason. And maybe a little bit of that self-doubt creeps in and it makes me work a little bit harder, um, you know, to feel like I'm up to par with my peers in the industry, so. Yeah, really cool. Uh, well, I, I think the self-doubt thing is something that we all struggle with, whether we're in working in the creative or art realm or not, you know, and that I totally relate to the imposter syndrome side of things um, in so many ways. And I think, you know, again, the, the same thing with self-doubt, it's, I think there are a lot of the same in, in, in many ways, because it's, you know, the only way through is to just do the work and, and kind of see what comes out on the other side. And, um, you know, something that's interesting to me, you have kind of this psychology background and you haven't necessarily applied that in the traditional sense of going into that field of work, but in the creative arts realm and entertainment, something that's tended to come up repetitively a little bit in these conversations is kind of like tying in this, uh, I don't know if you, you call it like spirituality or, or like higher spirit of things within creating art in general. And so I, I'm curious, like with your approach as somebody that studied psychology, that it, to your point is very like if you can't explain it in a scientific form or the mathematical equation of things, um, then, and then translating into, into more of a creative role, you know, how do those two roads meet in that sense of you coming, I, I guess, working through those challenges and like finding peace in the fact that like, you just got to do what you can do and then let the rest play itself out. Is yeah. that, is, I don't know if I phrased that or like frame that kind of question or conversation, but you know, what are your thoughts in that regards? Yeah. So as opposed to myself and creative outlet or, you know, artists that I'm, I'm talking to. Well, I think really, I mean, it could go either way. There might be a story from a specific or a, a story that you have from a specific story that you've written, obviously within all the different you know, musicians that you've covered and songs and whatnot, but maybe more so for you personally, because for somebody that maybe, and I, I, let me, let me back up a little bit. So I've been on this Ram Dass crick, uh, kick lately. So I'm reading all this Ram Dass stuff and he was a psychology like professor at Harvard, all these things, but then he went on this huge spiritual journey. And so that's one thing he always talks about is like the, the almost duality in those two things is that on the psychology, on the, on the, the um, educational side, they really, everybody wanted to be able to, to kind of frame these things with definitions almost, but then yeah. you come to the spiritual side approach to it. And I think that's where the art side of things with songwriting and, and those different things come into play and, and just any type of creative creativity or arts. 
you can't explain a lot of times where the words that you write come from and that nature. So it's a different approach for you because you're not writing music per se, but obviously you're taking somebody else's story and then, you know, putting it into this light and into this certain bit of a creative process, I assume, you know, so, you know, does that, is that? Yes. No, I got you now. I follow you. I think um, it's something that I, like I said, I'm a very distracted person. I was like the kid that couldn't sit down in class my whole life, you know, and so a writer is sort of a hilarious place to envision, you know, picture myself or like, you know, knowing that part of myself, it's funny to say, but I think there's, and it's something I'm trying to recognize because like you said, sometimes I try not to read the work that I already put out there because it's, it's up there and it's, you know, it's too late. It's, it's printed. I'm like, all right. But, you know, when I do read, you know, sometimes, of course, we're our biggest, our own biggest critics. So, you know, I look, I looked at things like that, but sometimes I'm like, wow, that was pretty cool. Like, I don't even remember <laughs> saying that, you know, and I think you have to lose, and it's a fine line because I'm, I am, I'm responsible for taking a conversation uh, that someone so generously had with me and sharing, you know, feelings and thoughts. And it's a, I take that responsibility very seriously. So it is a fine line between being very cognizant of how I am sharing information on behalf of someone else and taking that pressure off of myself at the same time to do it in a way that, you know, flows in a, a way that connects with people. And it's, you know, it has to be something that's compelling for someone to read the story anyways. So I think it's a balance I'm still working on. And I had, I didn't think very much about it until you just said that. So it's funny. These are sort of my developing thoughts in real time, but I guess that, you know, and I'm not sure how to reach that to work on it, but there's a state and I work my best before 9 a.m. and after dark. I, it's a terrible habit. Um, you know, I spend nine to five stressing about how I'm not getting anything done and then get it all done when no one else is awake. And I think it's that being alone and maybe when you're not on Slack and there's not emails coming in, you feel like you really are in this space where you can take that and do what you want with it and be alone um, with that work for a minute and meditate over it. But yeah, like I said, I think there's just a space between being very careful and being very mindless at the same time and allowing, trusting yourself to do what you know you want to do um, and giving yourself the space to be creative um, with something that's sometimes, you know, not creative at all. There, there's hard stories behind um, people's songs. You know, they usually come from a place of you know, huge transition in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Did I answer I, your question? Yeah. And I don't know if it was a specific question as much as just my curiosity and, and what I've found um, in engaging in these conversations is that what is becoming even more um, interesting for me is diving into how through their artists and creatives process processes, you could say, you know, what are those feelings and what are those um, maybe things that people can't explain because they are greater than us. And, and whether you're a religious person or a spiritual person or just believe it's like this cosmic energy, whatever it may be, those are all things that I'm finding that are approached a little bit differently for all these creatives, but also um, play a very important role in the process sometimes. And, and to your point, sometimes you don't even realize or notice or recognize it, um, but it's all happening, you know um so yeah i think that that was good uh, of of an answer for me yeah it's funny because i'm i think in that working with creative people all day and hearing their stories i forget that um the work that i'm doing is somewhat creative as well you know and so it's funny when i hear that i just hadn't you know it's something i'll I'll get back to you on it, but uh, you know, I don't always consider myself the creative one in the situation, but I guess, you know, it's dually creative work. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a different angle on creativity because to your point, you're, you're really crafting somebody else's story in a lot of ways. So it's not like a creative fiction writer per se, that's coming up with the story in their head. 
Um, and my, my dad's a creative writer. So like we have these conversations all the time about, he's like, I have people ask him like, where does that, uh, character, how do you come to that depiction of the character? And he's like, I have no idea. Just it's somewhere up here. I don't know. You know? Yes. Um, so it's a little different in that regards that you're taking a story and, but it, it reminds me a little bit of a, um, I think it was a, it may have been a, either an, an interview that I read or a podcast interview with um, MC Taylor from his Golden Messenger. He was talking about his transition from moving from West Coast over to the Raleigh-Durham area. And then he, I don't remember exactly what the role was, but it was like some type of, almost like a historian type job where he was going around and interviewing these people in Eastern North Carolina and kind of like basically just transcribing these conversations that were in efforts to preserve um, I, I'm assuming, and I'm, I'm ad-libbing here cause it's been so long, but it reminds me a little bit about the way you're talking about it because you're, I think his was more of like a, a direct depiction of what they're saying, but yeah, I think about the re- relation in him as a songwriter, but you as a, as a journalist writer from a music pers- perspective and kind of how some of those things come to play. And obviously you have to, to your point, take what you're gaining about these stories and really then put it in package it into this digestible format for and hopefully like very digestible in the sense that more and more people will read it you know um so i would say you should give yourself the creative creative credit there sometimes you know thank you i appreciate that yeah i think um it's definitely well i'll say his golden messenger is awesome they're some of my favorite, I'm actually interviewing him uh, for a print story in April for July. So I'm, I'm excited and I'll, I'll have to look into whatever um, the interview you're talking about as well. But yeah, I think going into, because you want to give someone as much time as they need to tell their story. And sometimes that people have nothing to say after, you know, five minutes or from the beginning and that's that's harder um but you know I'm able to pull a little bit but then there's conversations that last for an hour but in those moments you're like you want to be respectful of their time and something that I need to learn is to narrow in on what I need no matter what it feels like you're leaving behind because you know time in that way, if I take too much from someone's story, then I carry all of the weight of every part of their story. And so I deliver something that I don't feel great about. Cause I'm like, but then they're not going to know about, you know, his grandmother from wherever and her influence from immigrating from this country, you know, it's just too much. I go, it's too broad. So I think, like you said, picking up, picking the parts that will get people's attention and using that to tell other parts of the story that might be harder to um, captivate them with otherwise is it's definitely something I'm, I'm still practicing but I guess that that is a creative portion of it yeah definitely and I would say this is me projecting um, maybe a sense of purpose around what you do but I, I you know kind of circling back to that initial question I've found myself in not from a, a songwriting perspective or music perspective for me from like performing but thinking about being involved with the events that that I've helped produce and or market and trying to you know trying to place some some reason or or value in my own work and how that is purposeful in the grander scheme of things and something I think that's unique in your sense because you know in a lot of ways you're you're documenting history and it's probably you know when you're in the middle of five stories within one day or two days or three days you don't think about it like that but also like you know you're you're leaving behind a legacy even if it does live under the american songwriter brand whatever it is like there's those things that are always tied back to you telling that story for someone else in a way so it's uh it's really cool to for me to have the opportunity to talk to you a about this stuff but i'm you know again the more of these conversations i have the more intrigued i get about you know how much do people think about those things when you're doing them versus looking back on it? And I know when you're in the midst of it, it's not always easy to like slow down and be self-aware enough to like give yourself that credit, especially when you, you're like me and you struggling with the imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. I know you want to have to remind yourself what you're doing. And I, I have a note by my desk um, to remind myself because you get so lost in the moment. And I'm like, 
people are like wow that's so cool that's your job I'm like yeah it's work you know like it's and I'm like it is cool like I want to recognize that but I have to remind myself like it it is cool like this is this is better than I could have imagined for myself and so to continue to practice gratitude for that um, I think is a good way to grow in that role because you know I'm always just like so excited to talk to all these people and they're like wow it's my my dream to you know American songwriter is my favorite I can't I'm like oh really like you're excited to talk to me (laughs) you know but um yeah it's awesome and I think like you said getting back to the psychology portion of it um you know there are a few different psychology was I, I enjoyed every part of what I studied and I don't feel you know even with every student loan payment that keeps coming every month I, I've yet to regret it um, but I think it it helps in my approach as well uh, like you said documenting history it's important to really dig as deeply as you can um, without invading someone's privacy uh, because everyone has different boundaries that way and you know you can hear things and you can read things but of course you prepare questions for an interview um but I would be lying if I said I went in to every interview totally prepared and with plenty of questions um because I I have never found that to be the right way and some people you know I'll start broad and they're like do you mind asking me a question to get me started and that's just how they work and that's totally fine um but I feel like having it's not always things I can point to directly but I think there's things that I've learned in the past that guide those conversations as they're happening that cue me about you know I think it's okay to dig a little further there or that's not something that they want to talk about and this is important so maybe it's worth asking again even if it's you know you don't know if that's something they want to continue you know just sort of the push and pull of each individual person and how willing they are to share certain parts of um, their own creative process and this legacy that they're leaving behind with their music because essentially they're they're time stamping history with their own personal experience and I, I can't imagine how scary that must be for yeah. them yeah that's a it's it's hard to even imagine for sure especially across the vast amount of folks that you kind of interviewed and, and written stories on and that's a, a thing I would go back to you talk about like the the questionnaire kind of approach there's a lot of of journalistic pieces that are really more it's basically just an interview and it's literally verbatim like these are the questions I asked and then there was a response but I would everything that I've read of yours is is it's you can tell that you spend time and energy and effort on crafting the way that you present it and and uh, yeah yeah absolutely um, well, speaking of time, I definitely want to be mindful of yours. And and so let's kind of segue over to my what I call segment two, which is when we dive yeah. into some language and um, maybe how it applies within our daily day to day lives, but also trying to part of the purpose of this uh, podcast for me is to, you know, not only explore these topics with others, but hopefully um, encourage or uh, uh, inspire the listeners to also think deeply and, and a little more contemplatively over their own lives and how some of this stuff might play a role. So um, yeah. I, I sent you some of this as prep work, but uh, I read your somewhat recent, I guess it was like six or seven months ago, maybe eight months ago, interview with Charlie Crockett, who um, I'm a big fan of. I love, I love a lot of his work and uh, it was a great article. And so I pulled one of those quotes because he was talking a lot about, and this I think kind of touches on a little bit of the, um, some of that article and some of his perspective reminds me now that we're talking about like the imposter syndrome or self-doubt. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff comes from these like social constructs that we've grown up in and around. And obviously with Charlie's specific um, perspective and for you listeners, you'll have to go read, uh, read Madeline's interviews so that you'll get the full <laughs> scope of that. But um, this is one, just one snippet of a quote that you included in that article that I'll read for the listeners. And then I'd love to just kind of get your thoughts on that. So um, and Charlie says, it's those ironies that you think about not before or after surgery, but forever. And to frame this, uh, this is not him quoting now to frame this, this he's talking about a very um, specific medical procedure that he had it was a big turning point, I think, in his life and and really kept him alive. But anyways, to go back to the quote, 
it's those ironies that you think about not before or after surgery, but forever that shaped me. I can't help but think how much of my fate, luck or destiny I can't control. He added, I don't think I'm unique in feeling that, especially in 2020, but what can I do? But what I can do is have the courage to change the things that I can control because I've done those things. That's the only reason I can think of that I'm alive. And that was such a poignant quote to me because it's so relative. Obviously, um, he pointed to the fact like in 2020, it's so relative because we're all in our own different ways and on different realities, struggling with a lot of a lot of self-doubt, a lot of challenges within life and living. But the one thing that you actually do have control over is how you maybe as um, an individual, how you react to those things. So, you know, are there any stories or anything you can think of, even if it's just referencing that conversation with him about maybe um, what you've pulled from conversations about maybe then changing your perspective on how you, you know, react or appreciate life and approach life? Yeah, so Charlie is, I mean, I feel funny calling him Charlie because I, I think so highly of him, you know, but um, he, I think he's one of the, he's going to be, like we're talking about documenting history, when you look at the history of country music, uh, he's doing something, and he's done something that we, we can't turn back from, uh, we can get into this a little bit more, but it's a strange time uh, professionally and emotionally to be tied to country music and the country music industry because, you know, not all of it, but as a whole, there's there's parts of that um, that are not inclusive. You know, their roots run deep in a system that is, you know, was designed to exclude certain people. And Charlie Crockett, like you said, I, I don't, it would take all day if I got into it, but he said this um, or something like this, that his story is too wild um, or too, he said too wild or too something of a, for anyone to believe it to be true. You know, he said sometimes he, he tones it down just so people don't think that he's crazy as he's telling it. Um, but I mean, he's been, you know, he slept on the streets of Paris and lived in bookstores during the day. And I mean, he, he's just someone in his, where he comes from too, uh, identity wise, talking to him, he's never felt like he fit in anywhere. And he had never found someone um, that he looked to and said, hey, that's kind of like me. Um, and for me to hear that as someone who has had every privilege in the world and never struggled to make a friend and has a big family and you know that was hard because I, I look at television and I listen to songs and I look at movies and I see myself everywhere you know and I see bits and pieces of my experience um, in places and so that talking to him really changed the way that I thought about country music and his approach to country music and in that story he he talks about one specific literary character and I won't give it away because I think it's a cool story that um he got to and he's like wow this is the only person that I think could ever understand what I'm going through and it was a, a fictional character um but what he's done is make waves you know he he doesn't look like anyone in the country music industry he doesn't sound like anyone in the modern country music industry and he's not singing about anything um that is on the radio and he's but he hasn't stopped making music and he hasn't taken any shortcuts and he's just really organic organically grown this following and at the end of the day all he's saying is that you know it, he's welcome there just like anyone else is welcome there and he did it with all of this you know every force of nature essentially acting against him um, and if he can be doing it then everyone else can as well and and he talks a little bit about some of the brushes he's had where you know other people there's a way in the in the music industry you do this and you get this publishing deal and you get the record deal then you make an album and it's not all your music but it sounds good and then you go on tour and then while you're on tour you write your next one and so on and that that's just not the case for him um, and but you know he's arrived at the same place that everyone that followed those rules has as well and so i think for him to take all of those factors working against him and create something beautiful to share that message is 
is really inspiring to me and it's something I think about it's funny that you pulled that because you know I talk to so many people a day but I always go back to that conversation with him because he just doesn't care um you know he doesn't care about any of those things and he just wants to share the message that you know he's never fit in but there's a million reasons why you, you do belong because of you know who you are and what the music you make and the stories you have to tell um and so I think like you said in this case he's talking about taking the things he can control like his music and his life and you know he had he had influences that set him back and the things he could control were choosing not to go down several paths of darkness that were presented to him uh, and keep pushing through and figuring out you know the way to where he wanted to go and I think that he's really impressive for those reasons yeah yeah he is impressive and and all of those things um it was a great it was a great presentation of that I mean I you're obviously it's easier sometimes to talk those th things through and describing that but but you you articulated it very well on paper as well and um I really enjoyed that read and I also enjoyed his referencing of of uh you know Bob Dylan about getting to the top and you know yeah. matters and um yeah it was interesting that like uh, I'll, I'll make sure to share that article of course and like the show notes so as a reference point so everybody can go find obviously your work in general but that particular piece also and, and his um yeah bringing in the literary stuff I really related to because of my relationship with my dad and and um for everybody that's wondering I won't spill the beans on that character either but it's it's a uh the book is um or the author of the book is William Faulkner my dad's a huge Faulkner fan so like there's all these little kind of ties in there that I just really appreciated. But, um, but yeah, thanks for sharing that story. And then kind of, as I told you via email prior to this, what that made me start thinking about really is how do we take these circumstances and experiences that we have in life and figure out how to use those as learning experiences, maybe to then approach things as we move forward just as what you just did you know from a, fr a different frame of perspective possibly than what we've been used to because of the upbringing or the life that we we were born into and um, it got me thinking about um, Mahatma Gandhi and some of his quotes around being the change and, and then you know really taking those experiences and not letting them necessarily knock you down but then maybe making you more aware to make a, a, a more conscious decision moving forward so um, I'm going to read a couple Gandhi quotes and then just let you give me your feedback when you hear that and maybe how, if at all, it applies or relates to any of your work and, and, or if there are again, any stories similar to the Charlie story about maybe things that you've picked up along the way. But um, of course, everybody knows the Gandhi quote, like, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. But I pulled a couple other ones that still are relative. And this first one is, um, he, Gandhi says, you can't change how people treat you or what they say about you. All you can do is change how you react to it. And it's so simple, but at the same time, so profound, because I think, you know, to your point, to Charlie's point, a lot of us at many times in lives probably feel like we're alone and going through things. But the reality is, is there are so many humans out there that have probably gone through similar things. We're really not alone in that, but we don't talk about it that often. Um, but when you hear that, like how, do, you know, you explained a little bit there with the Charlie reference, but, you know, do, did that experience in that conversation change maybe, uh, or did you, have you noticed any type of reaction change in yourself when you're having conversations with other artists moving forward after that one? Does that question make sense? You know, like, yeah, no, it, it does make sense. And I think, yeah, it's funny that I hadn't even gotten that far but that's exactly what we were talking about with him you know taking um the past and all of these barriers and for him to just react by making music that's like I mean you really can't help but <laughs> but resonate with it and be drawn to it as any type of uh listener and it's something that comes up all the time um with the way that you know with American Songwriter, I feel lucky because I get to speak with people who are, they're not bored of interviews yet. You know, it's something that they're so excited about and they, they haven't had every opportunity to share their stories. And so all of those stories always come from 
uh, so many series of no's until they reach, you know, the most random connection in the world that gets them a yes, that gets them, you know, to where they eventually are. And so I guess I'm always really impressed by the resilience required to continue doing what you're doing. And so um, in the same way, I think I've allowed myself um, the same grace, you know, because I'm, I'm sitting in these situations where, you know, I messed something up and I, where I didn't take the criticism well, or I didn't get, you know, the pitch didn't go through that I thought would be a really cool story or, you know, any other challenges that I faced on my way here um, to just approach them as a, like, just take it for what it is and try to grow from that and keep doing what I know I'm doing well, but, but learn to take criticism and learn to articulate those no's to see why their no's or if I should just brush off the no because it's not a very, you know, not all no's have a good reason. Um, sometimes somebody's having a bad day. So I think collecting stories over the years of all the big, big no's and big rejections um, that have, you know, created a lot harder implications in people's lives um, and, and learn to just keep pressing forward um, and keep, you know, remind yourself of the things that are the good things and the, you know, what makes you a strong person to remind yourself that you can move forward um, from something and continue on an upward trajectory. Yeah. yeah, I mean, taking those challenges and those um, things that don't necessarily go the way you had hoped or expected as, as an opportunity to maybe um, approach it differently moving forward, but also not spend too much time, uh, you know, basking in the sadness or the the frustration that you felt from that. Um, and, and that's a lot of what Gandhi goes to talk on about. And like the next quote, I'll just pull snippets of it, but basically he's saying, you know, if we change ourselves then the tendencies in the world also change um, as a man changes his own nature. So does, or I should say, or woman changes her own nature. So does the attitude of the world change towards him or her. Um, we do not need to wait to see what others do. And that quote, like, I think it's something that I try to live by daily, but it's also keeps coming back up in my life. And, and, um, I tell all my guests, like a, another thing that's kind of pushing these conversations is for me is, is really like meditating a lot more and, and carving out time to really kind of quiet my mind down from all the distractions and all the things. And then these are the types of questions that come up in my mind about how I'm living and how I could maybe change, um, and be better suited mentally to not react so negatively to certain things and, and just learn from experiences. But, um, but I think you touched on a lot of that stuff. And it, at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta get up to bat and take your swings and just keep on going. You know, you can't, you can't, if you bask in it in that, like, you know, sulking of, of the sadness too long, you're never gonna, you're not going to take another swing, I guess, you know? Yeah, and I think too, something that came to mind, because we haven't really talked about it yet, um, with that, you know, we've experienced a year that changes everything, you know, whether it, you know, people don't want to accept that, and but it's changed everything, especially looking at the music industry and just chronicling people's experience, talk about taking down history, you know, the, the lowest lows in April, May, June, like, what am I going to do? I can't keep making music, my house, my this, my, you know, no, it, it's scary. And it, it's been hard times for people. But I think as it's evolved, um, and not everyone, but those fortunate enough to have survived with some level of comfort, um, have found a silver lining. And it's the people that I wouldn't expect, you know, talking to country stars that spend 70, 80% of their year on a tour van. They're like, I got to be dad and I got to tuck my kids into bed. And in turn, um, you know, I have all of this, you know, I've been home and I've thought and I've written in a notebook that's not on a moving van or a hotel room. And I think the way in which people have changed their course of living, whether, you know, life, career, the way they write music, the way they approach anything, um, there's an opportunity here for us to move forward in the way that we were um, and accept this as last time or to really change 
things um, for good and for the better. And the more I talk to people, every person I've talked to, I would say in the last four months has a silver lining because they've had time to reflect. And we're also at the point now where it was funny in the beginning, you know, people are, weren't sharing anything. And then they were sharing work that predates the pandemic. So it just was either felt insensitive or I was like, how do you think this overlays with the current context? You know, you can't talk, you can't not talk about what's going on, but finally bits and pieces of these pieces of art created driven from fear and isolation and you know, doubt and all of these things are coming to life. And I think it, it changes what music sounds like for the next five years or so. You know, these stories will continue to unfold with a bit of perspective. Um, but talking about tendencies and the way you do things, like I was talking to um, Zach from Portugal, the man, and I was like, they were talking about, you know, creating at home and being in nature and all these wonderful things that have come from their music as they've reflected. And I was like, are you excited to get back on the road or do you want to change that are you re- you know are you re-energized or are you second guessing and you know some people have said like I, I don't even want that he, he said something funny he said he compared it to when you go to your mom's house and she really wants to play a board game like Scrabble and you're like no and you're kicking and screaming and finally you do it and then five minutes later you're having a great time you're like oh yeah I love board games he's like that's the entrance that will be there but you know there's certain things that have to be in play you know like more days off more time in nature you know smaller cities like the things that because the way and the pace in which life was moving before this happened was not sustainable um so I think talking about if every person is brave enough to re-enter the world having reflected on what's changed within themselves and bring that forward um, in a new way. I know everyone's eager to get back to the way things were, but I hope it's not a missed opportunity. And I know for myself, certainly, um, there's things that I wanna, I wanna change about, you know, the way that I work and live and interact and move. Um, and I think if everyone is brave enough to do that, then it, the world will be a really different place in a good way. Hundred percent. Not you. You essentially said in your own words, "I'll put you up there with Gandhi." You know? <laughs> that, that's exactly what you're saying. You know, and and there's been many quotes that I've read that really, and one is just, you know, uh, I think it was Deepak Chopra um, who said, you know, as you as you change or transform yourself, the world around you begins to change and transform as well. And so, to your point, if we all take that those those silver linings and really start to apply them and that it is a tough thing i mean even here i can see it in in going you know talk, i ran into some folks last night at the local market up the street and they were like you know they live in the neighborhood here and last year i did this thing where i just set up in the front yard and a lot of musicians had done it and then all the neighbors set up in their yards and have drinks and, and cook out or whatever yeah, how fun. yeah it was a lot of fun and they were saying they're like you know i'm so happy that we're getting back to some sense of normalcy but at the same time like i'm i'm already nostalgic for those like everybody's just chilling at home and we're all doing it as a community together in in, in our own ways you know and so hopefully we don't like come into this new roaring 20s without keeping those those silver linings as a remembrance and uh you know and that help us with our our day-to-day because they are important and i think to your point with the industry as, as a whole hopefully and and i can uh say this as well as somebody that gets caught up in the, the fast pace of it all hopefully the goalposts change a little you know we don't have to be doing it all the time every day day in and day out because it it, it certainly creates burnout for people i'm sure you know and um, so well i know i've taken up a lot of your time even though you're not we're not in your working hours since you don't (laughs) dark um but i don't i do want to be i do want to be mindful of that so and i appreciate you so um segment three is basically just do you have any it can be local to you said you're in raleigh still so it could be local to raleigh or it could be anywhere but any any organizations could be faith-based, profit-based, or non-profit-based, or just a, a cool small business that you want to shout out that you think needs some love that maybe haven't haven't received it lately? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I think tying in a little bit of all of this, um, I was lucky enough to be connected with 
headcount, which is a nonpartisan voter organization that's tied with the music industry. Uh, so I was doing some non writing work, um, digital media um, project management work for a text campaign of theirs. But it tied in a lot of what I cared about, which was, um, you know, voter education uh, and the importance of, you know, people don't understand. I was raised in North Carolina, uh, so I've always been taught that your vote counts, you know, like, not that it counts more than anyone else, but, you know, you never know how it's going to turn out. And until I was in college in Tennessee, um, you know, with an election going on, I, I was all fired up and people were like, oh, I don't vote because... You know, I live in this state, which is typically a red or blue state. So if I vote, it doesn't change it, which, you know, isn't the case. But I had never considered that people felt that way. Um, and so, yeah. And so getting into the data of, you know, who participates, I was like, wow, this is crazy that young people don't feel um, called to participate in this. So I think being able to educate voters, um, which highlights you know, another, I think all of our greatest inequalities in this country begin with an education system. Um, and I was brought up in the public education system here and with the help of my community, it didn't fail me, but if it fails people all the time um, who fall through the cracks. So presenting information and then also having the music industry and people with any type of platform, you know, you, no one's asking people are asking, but it's not required that you use that platform um, to educate people and to push agendas and, you know, to bring change forward. But I think it's always a shame when I see a missed opportunity um, from an artist and specifically, and I, I, I hate to say this because I'm involved in the country music industry and a lot, but, you know, a lot of the silence that met the revolution of this year was disappointing. And so that to then work with headcount during the election this year and see that there are other people that are being brave. And it doesn't mean you have to pick a side. It's just you're using your platform to help others who don't have one and to reach people where that are typically hard to reach um, because you never know who's gonna, whose message is gonna get to someone and that, that could change um, the course of these people's lives and in turn history. So I think that's something I felt very passionately about. Um, Raleigh's a great town. There's amazing people doing amazing things here all the time. Um, Band Together is a, an amazing initiative that you know changes every year. Right now, um, we're feeding hungry kids. And I, I think especially not being in school this year where a, a large percentage of North Carolina public school students count on um, receiving breakfast and lunch that has been stripped. So they're, they're doing amazing stuff too. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'll make sure to share both, uh, both organizations and I love the, the stuff on headcount and we didn't even get to get into it. I really wanted to also ask about some of your political work and, and some of those other things uh, just out of, more so out of curiosity and how they tie into everything else that you've done. Um, because I'm sure there's some interesting cross pollination of those things, but uh We'll save that for for a, uh, a round two or something. So sure, definitely, I would love to get into that. Yeah, I know the political stuff is, you know, it's everywhere, and it's especially this past year, it's it's been interesting um, to hear it all in music and conversation and all that. But yeah, I don't want to <laughs> bore anyone going in there, so we'll we'll have to save it. Yeah, well, cool. Well, Madeline, thank you so much. I'm so very appreciative of your time. And uh, I'm sure my listeners will be and and, um, and yeah, so for if if somebody wants to kind of follow along with what you're doing and where your work is these days is, do you want them to follow your social handles your personally, or obviously, we can I'll, I'll link American songwriter stuff too and your your profile there, but tell folks where you would you would suggest them go to kind of follow along your journey and your stories. Sure, I would say my website if I put any effort into it, but I always forget. So I think Twitter and Instagram, Twitter, I'm, I don't post it. I just repost my work. Um, Instagram, I try to keep up with, you know, what I've done, but I think those two are probably the most up to date. Cool. Yeah. And I'll make sure to link those in as well. But um, yeah, thanks again for your time and keep writing amazing stories and um, Listeners, thank you for tuning in. We will see you next week on another episode of Dharma Digs.
Namaste. Have a great day.